Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Appreciate you uh, turning in, tuning in rather here on this soggy, soggy Monday. Not necessarily the way you'd want to start the week, but frankly, it's been such a dry, hot summer. You, you, I'll, I'll deal with this. I'll deal with this. That's fine. Some news out of Calgary, the south of the province here. Uh, It says that Calgary Sport and Entertainment Corporation, which owns the Calgary Flames, say that they are targeting September 15th for a date to come into effect that would require all people attending Stampeders and Flames events to be fully vaccinated. The uh, Again, Calgary Sport and Entertainment Corporation believes this policy to be essential in delivering a safe environment for our fans and staff, as well as an important measure to help our communities and businesses continue to reopen safely. So nothing yet from uh, Oilers Entertain- Entertainment Group on this front, but looking at the way that things are materializing pretty well across the board across Canada right now as to vaccination requirements to get into games. You can start piecing two and two together here. I'm not saying, and I don't know for sure. I know we live in the province with the loosest restrictions on this matter. But to see that from Calgary, I don't, it's hard for me to imagine we're too far away from something similar here anyway. Uh, but that is for a different time. Right now, we're you're going to talk about the news of the day. This has been casting uh, an extra black cloud over the city of Edmonton since the Elks have returned from BC. They might have brought the rain with them from the West Coast. But as we're joined by Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports, Let's talk about the outbreak of COVID that has forced the postponement of Thursday's game that would have seen the Elks take on the Argonauts out in Toronto. Reed, how's it going today? 
Good, Brendan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure is always mine. Uh, you Well, hey, let's start with Thursday's game because there was some positives to draw on. I thought the Elks moved the ball incredibly well against BC, finally, and, and were converting on some of the more impact plays that they were calling. And maybe that's the difference in what had gone wrong in the first two games versus what went right against BC. But that's sort of my assessment on the 21-16 win. How did you see it? Well, first of all, I mean, James Wilder Jr. has been a huge positive for the team. And in the fourth quarter, he just took it over on a couple of drives, especially that that final drive. The offensive line got going downhill as well. Wilder was was elusive. I mean, that I think it was might have been the first play of the driver. He went out to the left and didn't look like he had anywhere to go and then paused and shot back inside and got about 30 yards. So that that was a big positive. I, I mean, look, still only one touchdown for the Elks. A couple of trips into the red zone were abbreviated by, well, the end of each half. Um, I mean, they were they could have had a couple more plays maybe at the end of the first half. They might have got a touchdown and they didn't need to score at the end of the second half, but they were inside the five. I, I really, I, I like the way the Elks played after the first quarter, except for, uh, you know, a couple of blips in the third. They, they, they botched a quarterback sneak that was, probably less than a foot and a half and Sean White who's had a great season did miss his only field goal uh, of the year to this point I I think if they could have got points on those drives they might have they should have been able to put it away earlier but it was good to get uh, get the win and that that should be what we're talking about (laughs) more of that Um, but as you mentioned now uh, another story going on that I mean, let's face it, Brendan, it, it could cost the Elks in the standings here. This We don't know if this game's going to be replayed. It, it could be forfeited. Labor Day is two weeks from today. Depending on what news we get about the Elks in the days to come, the number of players who may be testing positive. I, I mean, I'm talking worst-case scenario here, but I think we got to cover off all the possibilities. It's possible the Labor Day game doesn't get played. Now, that's worst-case scenario, that uh, they forfeit against Toronto, and that Labor Day has to get rescheduled or is even forfeited. The best case scenario, it seems at this point, is that the game in Toronto is played maybe a week from today, maybe next Tuesday, and then they're able to play uh, Labor Day as uh, as planned. We'll, we'll see if there's anything out from the Elks today. I haven't seen anything here, at least since I hopped on air. Um, you know, I, I think there's the, the fear within the organization that there are going to be uh, many more positive tests on on top of the five that they had over the weekend. So we we got to see where it goes. Unfortunately, and I mean this is the sports world we've been living in for a year and a half. That uh, battling COVID and avoiding COVID is something else you have to take on besides just your opponent that week or that night. So Kwaku Botang, defensive lineman for the Elks, was the only one in COVID protocol ahead of the game. Everything was fine the morning of the game, and then it was 48 hours thereafter where now five members of the Elks organization who they deem to be Tier 1 personnel, so that's either players or you know field staff, anybody that you would see with access to the sidelines on a game day. And there's five of those members as it stands right now that have tested positive. So in, in backing out and looking at this from the bigger picture if that is five defensive linemen who were all in contact in a film session of some kind or whatever the case may have been 
well now you're you're looking at forfeiting a game because you can't come up with x amount of of linemen to all take over one position and and when i was looking at the beginning of the season i'm thinking that is probably how these games are going to end up getting canceled if it comes to that is one whole position or one whole room if you will ends up going down at the same time we don't know that that's necessarily been the case we can only speculate until we hear something from the team but you know the, uh, evidently the push to get the vaccine vaccination rates up high enough you know that's all going to be part of the discussion and, and the fact that the elks were one of the lower vaccination rates around the league is also going to be a part of this discussion moving forward but it's there's a ton of uncertainty as it stands right now well there is and like i said i mean this distracts from them getting their first win of the year and what would have been a game in toronto and then leading into into labor day and, and i mean uh you know a labor day game that probably would have had calgary and edmonton fighting for for third place and and the final guaranteed playoff spot in the west and uh and, and yeah you're right it's it, there and I, you know we, we don't know everything that has happened necessarily but uh, i mean we, we do know that it's been reported and I'm also one of the people who have reported it because I got told by a couple of sources that the, when the CFL put out those vaccination rates a couple of weeks ago, that the Elks were the lowest vaccinated team. And I thought Sir Vincent Rogers zoom availability uh, about him, uh, you know, having a breakthrough case of COVID, but not being that sick and, and saying he was glad he got vaccinated. That was very interesting. I read into that, that, Maybe that was a message to some of his teammates. Um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I, I, I think that it is, you know, it is it is worth pointing out that there's there appears to be some vaccine resistance in the Elks locker room or in the Elks organization. Now, look, I, 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 I know this is going to that that sets some people off. But but the bottom line is the league has put some standards in place where they say where they're saying we want 85% of the people of the players to have at least one dose that's not that's not even getting to two doses they're saying 85% for one dose uh, some teams have got there some teams aren't getting there and then there's the additional punishment of not just a forfeiture that if that if you're forfeiting a game and you don't have that 85% no one gets paid for that week so you know we can talk about choice and all that kind of stuff that that's not really the I, I don't think this is a free choice debate I think this is the debate of okay you're in an environment where rules have been put into place uh are you going to follow those rules and then if you're if you're not following those rules and something bad happens then you're costing potentially costing your team a chance to win a game and you're potentially costing you and your teammates a paycheck for that week in, in a league where let's face it, the players aren't exactly rolling in money. So that, mm -hmm. that that's kind of where this comes around to me. And, and I think, you know, clearly within the Elks organization that hasn't been the standard that has been set, whether it's within the drastic dressing room or from higher up that, you know, there's, you know, the, the rough riders came out and said early on that they were at 85%. So um, clearly it wasn't uh, made that much of a standard within the Elks organization. And now they may pay a very 
severe price for that in terms of a loss and maybe players not getting paid. And quite literally. So, you know, I think it's an important distinction to make as we chat with Reed Wilkins here. It's an important distinction to make that it is everybody who will not collect that paycheck. It's not those who had tested positive for that week that won't collect the paycheck. So to me, that was the league in the first place sort of absolving themselves of the responsibility of the heavy-handed discipline and that sort of thing when it came to COVID measures. They put that right onto everybody teammates and said you guys figure out how to hold each other accountable so you know that makes me a little bit concerned as to why the Elks seem to be the one team right now with the reputation for not having as high a standards as there may be around the rest of the league internally in terms of the vaccination rates. So, you know, I guess we'll see in the next few hours, the next few days, exactly how widespread this ends up being. But where the game gets made up, I'm hearing conflicting reports on this. I've heard maybe they bump it to as soon as Saturday, for example, or the bye week in October as an option. So if they're even considering that, I wonder how much time they would actually have to to make that decision to with these teams and say, all right, well, you know, are you are you willing to sacrifice your bye week and several weeks from now, and and make up for this? Would the Argonauts want to bother doing that when it's really not their fault that this took place? You know, there's so many just external moving factors, and it's a gray area. And from a, an Edmontonian's perspective, it's kind of irksome, I would say, that it's going on with this team. Well, yeah, and who knows about rescheduling the game? And, and you're right. The Argos are going to say, well, why do we have to reschedule a game because of something another team did? And, you know, then if you maybe are asking a third team to move, then a whole bunch of other stuff uh, happens. I, I, I mean, it's not a good situation. And, I mean, I, I, again, I... I, I know people are going to get up in arms about and, and make it a vaccine debate. I, I don't think that's what the debate is. The the debate is that that standards were 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 put in place that were you know I, ideal for the season to get completed without large interruptions. And now, out of nine teams in the league, we got one team creating a large interruption, and and it's the Edmonton Elks. And that, that to be, look, that doesn't look good on the organization, quite frankly. I agree with that read. Now, uh, moving moving in a different direction here. I mean, we can talk ad nauseum about what may or, or may not happen here, but the bottom line is it looks like a year that the West could be won by pretty well any one of these teams. And if they couldn't get out of their own, own way on the field, now they're getting into their own way off the field. So it, it seems like it's sort of a missed opportunity. And, oh, God, it just sounds like I'm harping on the team right now. But... If this does end up costing them any any time or games or, or this one particular game could well end up being the difference in, in, a, in a year where the West Division appears to be as wide open as it ever has. Well, I think the top two teams are Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, and I think that's relatively clear at this point. Uh, I, I mean, I think, again, it's early. I know Winnipeg just lost in in. Toronto, uh, Saskatchewan looks very good. Yes, they haven't played a road game, but uh, but I really see it's it's Edmonton and Calgary to me fighting for third. I know the Lions got a win in Calgary. I, I think they're the worst team in in the West. I I, I mean I, I know it's early and we're not going off a lot of information because there wasn't a season last year. But I just look at the way Saskatchewan is playing. 
Uh, they're very good. They're very polished. They can do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, Winnipeg got beat pretty bad in Toronto, but but even so, they made a game of it at the end. They got a lot of players back from the team that won the Great Cup a couple of years ago. So I I, I do think it's Edmonton and Calgary fighting for third. And and again, uh, a forfeited game along the way that could cost you a playoff spot. So pretty quiet on the on the hockey front, other than some very tough news out of the lower mainland over the weekend with Oil Kings prospect Caleb Reimer passing away. Uh, we learned today that Jimmy Hayes has passed away at 31 years old, Reed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to take the hockey conversation from here on this dreary Monday morning, but this is a week where I think there's some expectation that we could get movement on the Olympic front, uh, that we could get movement on maybe restricted free agent Kyler Yamamoto and, and getting that deal nudged along here is there anything as, as you enter your uh, your week off of vacation here back in the in the chair tonight anything that you're following out of the NHL in particular well I think the story with the Coyotes is is one to follow and uh, it's a bit of a tiresome one quite frankly I mean that has not been a good situation for the NHL in a long time um, I mean, look, it's just an ongoing story. What What's going to happen? Where are they going to play? Are they going to make it work there? And it continues to not really work. And, you know, to, to find a city that can host a, a, an NHL franchise is not necessarily easy. You have to have an arena. You have to have a pretty big arena and hopefully a pretty modern arena. You have to have... 15,000 fans or so that'll uh, invest a large amount of money in season's tickets and hopefully go to most of the games or have people they can share the tickets with to go most of the games. But it, it's just been such an ongoing uh, fiasco there. And look, we know that Gary Bettman and the NHL want teams all over the United States. I mean, they finally got one in the Pacific Northwest by placing one in Seattle. And, and Gary Bettman, I don't think, wants to say, okay, yeah, that's, uh, well, we're, we're giving up. We're throwing our hands up in the air with Arizona. But I, I, I just wonder, like, how long are they going to go on there? How long is the story from Arizona going to be, well, they, they, don't, they don't have a place to play. The building is mostly empty. I, I mean, we hear all the stories from Oilers fans that, well, heck, I went down to watch a Coyotes game and I got uh, tickets in the lower bowl for 20% of what I would have paid to go to a, an Oilers game or any game in Canada in the upper bowl. So, like, when does the, the league move on from that just being such a negative story? And for, and for most of their history there, the team also hasn't been very good, which is another story. So it's a, it's a team that's not great. Uh, that doesn't draw a lot of fans and has all these ar- arena issues. I, I mean, you know, uh, I'm sure Houston would like a team. I mean, Kansas City has had a building there for a while. Could Quebec City take a team back? You know, all places that would probably draw better and and where the team would have a bit more cachet in their market than it does in Arizona. And I think that with the timing of the Kraken coming into the league right now, and it, it just looks like the way I see it, I think the city of Glendale saw exactly how little wiggle room the Coyotes would have in terms of where else they would go without it being a huge, huge piece of business for the team, for the league. You start talking about moving a team from uh, an American-based market up to a Canadian one. I don't know how much extra that would, you know, thicken the plot. When there was an opportunity at some point to just move the Coyotes into the Seattle market and then not have to worry about that kind of thing. So... 
you see that hockey can work in the desert, but clearly the way that they've got things set up in the in the Phoenix area, and this is true of their football team, less true of their other two teams, but why is this stuff in Glendale? When you talk to people who live in, in the Phoenix area, none of them understand why any of it is in Glendale. So with that in mind, right. when new ownership took over this Coyotes team, you know, I wonder how much uh, cleaning up they're trying to do that's resulting in them not actually breaking ground on a stadium that would provide them with the stability that they've been missing in a stadium in Tempe or somewhere a lot closer than Glendale. Well, yeah, and, and we, we've seen that in, I mean, certainly over the last, I mean, it's interesting how sports has changed over the years. If you go back to a lot of the, uh, stadiums that were built i don't know if you want to go back to the 60s or 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 70s you know it was it was built in the suburbs and and now it's built uh downtown i mean we certainly saw that here in uh in edmonton with where where they wound up putting rogers place that you want to put that downtown so yeah i mean i just i i I don't i i just keep this keeps happening with the coyotes and i asked myself okay what is going to turn it around um They've they've had different owners. They've had different lease agreements. They've had different players and coaches. They've had different uniforms. Like keep <laughs> you can list every, even the most trivial things. They've changed and they've changed the big things. And nothing has changed with the situation. It keeps coming back around to arena problems, lease problems. I, I mean, at what point do you? And I know the league doesn't want to say it. And I know it's not in Gary Bettman's DNA to say like, well, golly gee whiz, I put a team in the southern United States and it and it's not working. But it's not like it's it's clearly not working. It's clear that most of the solutions are not panning out. And to me, it's clear that other markets, even if you just find a short list of two or three cities, would be able to accommodate and be more appreciative of an NHL team than they have been in the Phoenix area. Reed, always appreciate the insight, my man. Glad to have you back on air from six to eight tonight. Do you have any idea what's coming up? Well, we'll talk more about the Elks. Uh, Kurt Hill, the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, will uh, offer some memories and perspective on on Caleb Reimer, who you mentioned passed away uh, over the weekend. Jordan, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Baker's going to hop on the show as well from the Edmonton Stingers. They did it again. Dominant win yesterday to claim this EBL. Hey, sure did. Thanks, Raider. Yep. Yeah, that was a big, big game at the Expo Center yesterday afternoon. Three-time MVP Xavier Moon locked in. Jordan Baker hits the winning shot. They take down the Niagara River Lions, who, if you're a basketball fan, you'll remember Phil and Thomas Scrub from once upon a time. Five years worth of university basketball, five championships. Didn't matter. Xavier Moon, Jordan Baker, and the Stingers, they took care of business. We'll be back on Oilers now in just a minute. 56 in Edmonton, just laughing at a text here. 780-496-0063. I've been called a commie on a sports talk show. I don't get it. 
Ah, man, we all deserve a holiday after the year we've had, don't we? New West Travel has a special VIP trip down to Vancouver. You can take a loved one and join New West Travel on a three-night getaway to spectacular Vancouver, BC. New West Travel's package includes airfare and a private WestJet charter with complimentary open bar and meals, departing from private terminals, three nights in a deluxe four-star hotel, all for just $699. You can visit Stanley Park, stroll those beaches down there, shop or dine in the beautiful waterfront city. You need a holiday this September. Space is limited though, so call New West Travel or go online to newwesttravel.com. I believe that trip in particular less than a month away, so you better hurry up if you're trying to join Dennis Laliberti and the gang from New West Travel. Uh, coming up after this one o'clock news break here, we'll delve a little bit deeper into the New York Rangers offseason. As part of that, we will hear uh, some thoughts on Rod Gilbert, Mr. Ranger, who passed away at 80 years old. We're going to check in with Ron Duguay, who was a reporter for the uh, MSG for a, a long time, the network out there. He's doing work with New York Post Sports now. Of course, a 12-year NHL vet in his own right. Also some thoughts on King Henrik and his retirement and whether he should join Gilbert in the Hall of Fame. We'll see. We'll see what Ron Duguay thinks coming up after a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.